Welcome to the New Models Podcast. On this episode, we're joined by a millennial living legend, a DJ and producer who surfed internet-driven music scenes from the era of America Online to TikTok, as if the past few decades of pop cultural evolution was a single continuous wave. This guest is Frog, aka Dances with White Girls, aka at Dances on Twitter, a canonized club demon and a sort of accidental anthropologist of 21st century club life. Every festival, every party, and especially every afters, Frog is there, always watching, always thinking, always breaking down the game. Frog is much more to say on many more topics than we had time to cover, but we're happy to share this conversation on the current state of music consumption and production with someone whose critical observations never foreclose their optimism about the future. The secret, I imagine, to the enduring legend of dances with white girls. I'm Lil Internet joined by my co-hosts Carly Busta and Daniel Keller. Our guest is Frog. And this is New Models Green Room. Let's get into it. Green Room, a New Models podcast. Frog, aka Dances with White Girls, is a DJ, producer, club lifer, or club demon, and in my opinion, a very prescient cultural critic. And I thought about hitting him up to come on the podcast after listening to some podcast where Diplo said that major labels are just big data companies now. He said it like offhanded in a conversation. And that got me uh, thinking about, I guess the old phrase like software is eating the world or something. (laughs) Software will eat the world. But I had never really considered that major labels at this point also are just like getting to the point where they just have to be big data companies. Anyways, as proven by his six letter Twitter handle at dances, <laughs> Frog has always been a very early adopter and an astute observer of how culture uses technology and how technology in return changes culture. Frog's maintained this through basically every platform and trend cycle of the 21st century. So maybe just to start, uh, if you could give us a short biography if it's even possible okay i will i'll give you a biography i'm from philly from a working class background like my dad was aware i hot for most of my life when he moved up his life became aware at the four seasons my dad still waits tables i went to a magnet school you know for like smart kids george Washington carver high school engineering science and i was always doing stuff back then quick bow like i once had you pin want to fund the project because back in 1998 I got my first pair of Timberlands because UPenn did a thing for technology and the best business idea that came out. And I came up for an idea about menus.com where you have menus and people do delivery and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, that's really dope. We want to fund you. And I was like, but you know, I'm into rap music. So anyway, I went to New York, <laughs> uh, dropped out of school, did the whole thing. And then um, I did music programming at Music Choice back when I was like 20 years old. I did urban music programming. Then I left that and I got into drug dealing and DJing. And that's how I'm making music. And then I've put out music from all the way from the Blockhouse era, which is how I met Julian. I mean, I definitely went up to the, I played this party, probably sold ecstasy at the party, <laughs> up to now where I have songs of people like Chris Lake, 
on Pitbull songs at the Alphas London and Tame Apollo. So it's like the whole gamut of stuff. Oh, nice. There's probably like a book of Frog one day that will be released <laughs> that has all, all of the different details. Yeah. When did you guys first meet? Do you remember? I mean, Julian, but the I first think time? it was probably. Do you remember your first impression? I don't remember the first time, but I'm sure it was in New York somewhere. And I know ever since whatever years the Hollerboard was really popping was yeah. at least the first time. Okay, what's Hollerboard? Just a quick like glossary definition. The Hollerboard is a website created for Diplo and low budgets group was called Hollertronics. Oh, and yeah. it was a place where lots of people came up from like tons of DJs all were on the Hollerboard. And it's how you got music out at that time. It was like the small knit community of block house and cool open format DJs. So this is like 2009 or something. No, earlier. I think it was earlier. Earlier. This no, is like still MySpace crossover, like, like yeah, 2007 or 6 Yeah, or definitely like 0506. Oh, oh, 0506, oh, like okay. Era. It's like, like people got all MySpace right. on that thing. It had the MySpace, but these are just forum people, you know? Got it. Like that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, really early. So you've seen all the cycles. You were like Uber Eats yeah. before Uber Eats in the 90s. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid in high school, I interned at... AOL Digital the City for like a, a few times, you know, yeah. like I've been like my first job I got was I was the kid at the library taught everybody how to use stuff on computers and, <laughs> make CDs. and that's how I started buying clothes. I started buying clothes off computers like I was programming basic when I was a kid. So wait, you interned at AOL. Did you actually go to like the offices and all that? Yeah, there, I went to Digital City, Philadelphia because that's when they had like verticals. That was more of a media company. Uh. I like did it like for a few days because I went to the magnet school. It was like kind of cool seeing like early internet shit as like a team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I went to art, uh, visual arts magnet school too. I went to public high school in, in Virginia yeah. and went to arts magnet school. And those are like, I mean, they were really, really amazing programs, like really special. I, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't even know you. We never, we've never talked about magnet schools in the club. <laughs> we know. Yeah, yeah. We, like, I don't, like, no, I mean, I don't really talk about the nerdy stuff that much, really. Well, welcome. Well, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the New Models Podcast. <laughs> we love nerdy. So I consider you like one of the the great club lifers, and which I, I think is a really yes. significant accomplishment that like really isn't easy <laughs> because a lot of people drop out or settle down and there's a, a lot others who reached far more tragic ends. I know we could both name quite a few, but I wonder if really being a club music lifer, if it came natural to you or if it's something you kind of have to consciously work at, like you have to kind of reverse engineer the new <laughs> game every time it comes around yeah, like so you can play it or like, well, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I just think, you know, one, I just was, put in the club and I just like that was my job because I sold drugs and I was a New York club drug dealer and that was my life so the amount of clubbing I, I was at afters last night till 5 a.m. Like, like, I like now manage a DJ. So I, I was like, I was like, you're testing. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be up because I'm not partying like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I had like two white claws and I woke up, <laughs> you know, so it's different. And like, I just treat it like work. But like work I'm into and I really do just like to go out and like to see people and culture like I really like the vibe you know I remember one time you tweeted at me I always respect you that it's like it's like frog do more ketamine and talk about media theory and like I'm really like I don't know I was at the club last night and I, I watched people dance and it reminded me I just I just read this book it's um called good booty 
And it's about <laughs> how um, sexuality works through popular culture and stuff like that. All the way up from people dancing and grinding um, back in New Orleans, you know, up to like now somebody you know, I'm watching people, you know, black and brown couples dance to tech house and they're grinding and you just see <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, I've seen this for all my life because I was I'm a, you know, an urban kid. I've been watching people get wall work for so long and it's just cool. I like to watch that, you know, I like I, I know that sounds crazy. Yeah, wall work. I'm sorry. But like, you know, I like I like to watch it. I like to like it's crazy for me to say like I like to watch people twerk in the club, <laughs> you know, but like I get energy from it. But also, as just being a city person, if it's not the club, I'm going to be outside. I like to look at people, mm. you know. Can you give us names and places? Like, I would love to know what your club landscape was like in New York in the aughts. Like- Motherfucker, Sway Sundays, mm. Happy Endings, oh, yeah. Pasha, um, Cielo. I go there sometimes. Oh, it's what else? Um, Rubalad. I went okay. to Rubalad also. Um, you know about this place called the Asterisk? There was a space called Asterisk off the Bushwick stop. Yeah. Like, very, like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I used to, I lived, I lived in McKibben. I threw parties in McKibben oh, crazy. You did? You had one of those lofts. Yeah. Throwing parties. I installed a stripper pole in my apartment. Has <laughs> last night's party. Document the party. You can still look up and see the things if you go into archives. of like my party with stripper poles. I live with people in McKibben who was like my one roommate was in Team Facelift. That's where the fat Jew came mm. from. Hi. You know? And my other roommate was Sebastian McClard who is the direct, um, the producer Uncut Gems and stuff like that. All who right. does all that stuff. So like that's just like, you know, friends of Cat Marnell. If it's like, yeah. I'm like yeah. a New York hipster person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's a landscape I was like looking for. Because, you know, people say you're a New York. You know, you live yeah, in New York. It could be like a thousand New Yorks, you know? But I mean, I kind of knew that. It I could be like a thousand, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's good, to, it's good to hear. I mean. Yeah, I'm Sebo. I'm sorry for dropping your name. I just give you the landscape. <laughs> yeah, no, I want, because you want that, because people try to be humble, and they try not to, like, yeah. say it, but, like, it, nah. it matters, there's yeah. a lot of New Yorks, you know, it's nice to hear. Well, I had this question for later, but I, I think it's appropriate now. I keep getting this weird feeling that millennials are still kind of the bulk of, like, new artists and celebrities, or, like, still are, like, over-represented, maybe? I mean, you probably knew Julia Fox from back in the day, but... You know, then I like yeah, remind no, myself yeah, yeah. that I, the, I got the Facebook invite from her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I remind myself though, right? There's the, all these legacy press outlets. They're all based in New York. All the ones that have like status that we've known about for decades, right? That our parents probably know yeah. about. And they probably have a market that's like millennials and older. And then there's a whole bunch of Zoomers that are like, super famous that I've never heard of because they got famous on like, as like YouTubers or like on TikTok and the the algorithms don't show them to me. So I guess I just wonder like, do you think the legacy, (laughs) legacy media brands, like are these legacy publications that make these new stars, like are they just aging along with their audience? Well, what is Algo? Because you don't see stuff like right now MTV just launched something that is, what's MTV? Um, It's launched a search for the next pop star using TikTok stars and it's got like Becky G as a host you know and Becky G I think she's baby 22 but mm. she's been popping on TikTok was one of the first TikTok stars to get a major label deal it's like that stuff does exist you know oh I didn't know she was so young they also sometimes are on networks which you might not watch or something like they might be w- watching something on Zeus you know or <laughs> weird you know or is the Snapchat you know or is the Snapchat show and that is true but also I think it's a situation of Millennials control a certain type of cool Mm. that happened in the technological era, which 
only exists in the millennial world that the kids of the Zoomers then always get access to because those jobs that existed in the 2000s where you could do fake art stuff don't exist. <laughs> so you have to go out in a different way, you know, like 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 you. there's no high paid bartending jobs that allow you to buy stupid sneakers and <laughs> DJ, you know, and write for and write for a magazine that doesn't exist. Now you're more likely to also because they value the worth to go out and do a vlog about it on YouTube. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I learned about some guy's name. Um, I forget this black guy from London and like he goes around and shows the hottest fits, you know, in Milan. And then he DJs at cool apartments playing tech house and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, perfect. This is great. I looked at God, but he's like 24 years old or something like that. 25. Like, wait, this is great. It's all the same exists, but they have to go on different platforms because it is the control you talk about, but it's also because they have to get money. Right. You know, yeah. there's a certain type of millennial grind that where you don't get money, that they don't exist in because the other jobs don't exist, you know? You can't bartend and write a stupid blog <laughs> that nobody's going to read. That does nothing for you. If you're 21 years old, you, the rent's too crazy. Yeah. I mean, I also wonder, like, we're talking to some other millennial friends who are more involved in tech. And of course, because of crypto and because of like apps like Robinhood or whatever, it seems like the whole ethos around like be an artist, have no money, that's authentic. is kind of like the tide is crested on that. And like younger people don't fetishize asceticism and like, like there's just a different relationship to money and getting yeah. paid. Like there's people no romance like, in being kind of broke. And people are like much more forthright. Yes. They're like, well, what are you going to pay me to do this? Like they're living in the time of OnlyFans. Like they expect that they're going to get some compensation. Yes. Well, I mean, like let's look at something like OnlyFans, you know. It's not even just about civilians choosing to make money on OnlyFans. It's how people are even doing sex work are choosing to make money on OnlyFans, mm -hmm. you know. Like you're escorting or something like that because you've leveraged an image from the one thing to give you customers for another. Right. You know, it's the same way as signing a record deal and then going to an NFT or something like that. It's not even about choosing to go into it. It's about the fact that that is an avenue to like level up from it. It's also about knowing your worth too, I think, you know, mm -hmm. the thing is from NFTs to OnlyFans and everything is that there's still mad people that aren't going to make money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when people get in this stuff, it's in the gold rush. More people do make money, but really the majority of users of OnlyFans don't make money. That's interesting, though, like this idea of, of leveraging platforms, like grow your OnlyFans so that you can leverage that into attention for your new album. I think it's about leveraging bigger platforms to give you the platform. Right. So it's like a big OnlyFans trap is to get popular on Reddit or get popular doing mainstream commercial porn where your name gets out. And then off of that, you can build a social following because people are looking for you and then you show your OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. That's a very easy way to go or something like that. Or somebody goes from Twitch. You can't just grow an OnlyFans because right. there's no way to grow on OnlyFans. You're basically growing a Twitter account right. or Reddit and then you go from there. And the OnlyFans is the money generating thing that you get from the bigger platform. Mm-hmm. You need like scalable attention platform right. to yes. drive people to your money making That's platform. That's interesting. You yeah. have to use two no matter where you're yeah. working, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So you think then basically like Gen Z celebrities, they're just compartmentalized from the millennial celebrity ecosystem, essentially. Yeah, they just don't exist in that world. They, right. There's no talk about them. And with also how the algo works with niches, it's impossible for even each other to see stuff. Right. You know, right. in Gen Z, like um, a stat that I saw is that 
most Gen Z doesn't even get music from TikTok. They get it from each other mm-hmm. or from like YouTube and stuff like that. And sometimes when people talk about like TikTok stars, it's like only I, I use the term pale, only pale TikTok stars get the big money. But yet like black and brown people don't see those people. Like I don't see those people on my TikTok because the algo is perfect. And when sometimes people talk about generations, there's a big thing, especially when you talk about young people. Youth culture has traditionally in America been a normal white middle of America thing. That's what you think about a youth culture. When you think about Beatlemania or something like that, you think about punk rock, you don't really think about hip-hop as youth culture. That's not really talked about much, right. you know? When you think about the 2000s, you don't really think about the cool kids. You're thinking about the misshapes or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? I mess with both of those things. There's no hate on it, but those conversations are sort of taken out of, and especially with the algo and how things go, it's even smaller, more compartmentalized. You know, like, YouTubers, there's so many of them, but nobody knows each other's favorite youtuber you know yeah like, that's true i'm gonna laugh at king sid who just did the little dirk thing i'm not gonna look at pewdiepie you know <laughs> uh-huh. i know pewdiepie's name but like i wouldn't recognize him on the street though but i would recognize <laughs> king sid who did the little dirk track because i watch him he has people in the streets fighting over ps5s and like that's great <laughs> Dude, that's good hood content i like it I, you know like so the kids don't even see the stars nobody sees the stars there seems to be still like despite all of this fragmentation, like legacy Gen Z celebrity star factory, like isn't Zendaya kind of like the biggest Gen Z celebrity? And she's like a Disney. It's Zendaya, yeah. but she's like produced by Malens, don't you think? Exactly. I mean, okay, produced by Malens, sure. Yeah, but is it Zendaya? Yeah. Oh God, damn. So like, no, that is something that does exist true. Like she was built up from Disney, you know, as you're saying. So like, I think if we're talking about newer ones that don't have that long legacy because she's still coming from 2010. Mm-hmm. Like, was Vine out in 2010? Was Vine, like, Vine was still maybe just going in 2010. Yeah, yeah. She is almost, if you would like to think, a millennial star because she comes from a millennial run era. Mm-hmm. She's not created from the youth. Like, there's not that many that exist. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like Jojo jo- jo Siwa is millennial created mm-hmm. just for, like, how long she's been around. You know, is she isn't she like a dance moms person almost? I oh, think yeah, like, she is. Like she's like she almost is. in that yeah. era. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's cable television, you know? But what about music on these platforms? And like producing for it also. Like, do you ever produce with TikTok in mind? Okay. One, you always make music just to make good hits. Good music does well on TikTok. That's why old songs do well on TikTok. And also, yes, labels have created whole companies whole sections to push old music Uh, and also we're on a nostalgia loop because once you like something you like it forever mm. you know you like billy jean if that was your song that you like because i read um your nostalgia period is something from like 13 and 24 so your college songs are always what you go back to and then if it's a good (laughs) song people like it and then once it gets flipped around it just keeps on being viral like crystal castles does amazingly well Crystal Castles does gets great streams. <laughs> you was like, oh, you never thought Crystal Castles would be No, they make good music. They like it. You know? It's like Swag Surfing is a big hit because it just was a song people listen to. The barbecue classics are now memes. It's, it's Memes are a shared language, and that's what people understand. Right. And also, it's like there will be songs that are just rap bar songs that do well on TikTok because they have good lyrics and good punchlines. So people just try to make stuff as catchy as possible. It's not any different. You know? But does it change the way you produce? Is it like heightened certain things you see in a track when you're producing it? No, because I set a rule for myself that everything you write has to be a yearbook caption or a social media status. <laughs> and that's the same thing as being put in a TikTok. 
it's like one of my biggest songs is that song opera is like ring ring goes the telephone there's no one home mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it's like obviously you're going to go to the festival i see people post pictures all the time with that with them in the big telephones like yeah that's what happens like uh, <laughs> that's normal stuff the beatles when the beatles used to write songs they used to do everything like british bar game sometimes they would be on tour and they didn't have more recording stuff so they would sing the songs back to each other so they remembered it it's all the same thing yeah, ain't nothing changed. They were like their own random access memory or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So through all the different eras, what stayed exactly the same and what's like really changed? Okay, the one thing that's changed is that there was a certain specific time in the 2000s where the power of the individual writer was the biggest it ever could be because bloggers controlled stuff. The big curator thing has dropped out. Mm -hmm. That does not exist as much as compared to personal shares. Like nobody really is put on to other people besides maybe a video sharing site. Songs don't bubble up because, oh, this cool person talked about it or this platform talked about it. There's very, very few places that exist like that. It might be a DJ playing this stuff or it might just be because this one Twitter person that has 2,000 friends says, yo, this is a vibe and it gets replayed or something like that. You know, like that's how songs move. And there's never a time like the time during the blog era in the 2000s mm. where the power of the pitch pork to... I don't know, whatever, this song is sick, you know? It's like people were negotiating to get a blog placement for a song, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't exist anymore. How is it different than, like, Annie Mac on BBC One? That still but, matters, but yeah. I think it's more like the publicist just, industry right. and getting, like, these little write-ups on the fader or something. Mm. Yeah, like, that thing doesn't exist. Like, that doesn't matter is what I'm saying. Right. That's what I'm There's saying. No publicity that, that, that matters. Time, no pitchfork. That doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, none of that stuff matters. But I will say that Annie Mac, though, well, she doesn't work anymore, but the right. radio still matters because that is the number one place where people listen, get music from. Right. Because people ride in their cars. But also when you say radio, because you're, you're talking about BBC, so, I'm, yeah. you know, you're in Berlin, so I forget, but I'm America, we know about BBC, but radio is satellite and terrestrial. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all those things, and that radio, it's, people still listen that way, it's just that people always think that radio is like the FM dial. It hasn't been the yeah, FM no, dial it's for a long based. time. Yeah, exactly. The NTS radio. Well, no, but satellite or, radio. Satellite, satellite radio. Like right. XM, Sirius, oh, like Sirius FM. Yeah, yeah people's yeah. cars. Oh, right. Yeah. Dan, are you listening to radio I mean, out yeah, there? I listen to the, the TikTok station on Sirius <laughs> all the time, because yeah, it is really good. And I have noticed yeah. a lot of old, like somehow the one young Ling song is on TikTok radio <laughs> all the time again, which is pretty funny to me. It's like yeah. <laughs> still viral. <laughs> and that's new too. That's new. That's that's just in the loop. Yeah. Like right. people are, you know, people talk about Corbin now. Like that's new. That like people are going back to like kids in the, who are 26 are nostalgic <laughs> about young lean. Yeah, like that's exactly. <laughs> I've noticed I've noticed this like nostalgia loop effect. And uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean I actually think it's a good way to find music like it's so different than any other radio station i can um i can break down radio programming i did radio programming so i don't know about how they do with new air but i have a pretty much idea yeah there probably is some algorithm involved in it mm. because spotify introduced partially algorithmic programming but radio doesn't have as much data point but there is there's been data involved in radio programming for decades once consolidation happens mm. but then there's programmers who pick songs from that and say how they're going to be placed or whatever like that and you know it's um when you're doing radio radio works on like a a b and c 
you know, so it's like, this is the top song that gets played mm-hmm. this time, and this and this and whatever like that. So I would assume that with the TikTok thing, they're looking at charts to see what's popping on TikTok, and there's also some sort of algorithm to bu- bubble up. But radio, like, Sirius doesn't need as much algorithmic bumping up as a Spotify, because the Spotify playlists have more, have more, but there's also less, because there's not, like, runarounds of the hour, so you will get tired, so you need to have more. You know, right. whereas serious, you only might hear a song once in a day, but it's getting played this much so they can keep things tighter. And it has to be tighter because the turn off ratio for radio, you just can't mess around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the algo can lock you in because when, when you're doing with algo stuff, you did with click aways mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But tw- channel switches and also keeping things due to advertisers right. is such a bigger thing of holding people together on risk taking and what people can like than what you can deal with an algo thing, which is like a vibe and it can move you around and stuff like that. And it's way more generalized for, for you as a person as opposed to radio, which is generalized rise for tons of people, right. millions of people, as opposed to I'll go working directly for you. You know, if you're a pay attention, if you listen to something on YouTube, it gives you the same thing that you listened to right. 10, 20 times ago, almost on a radio loop, but it still has more time for variety. They can play around and see what you like. Radio can't mess around. You can't lose eyeballs. I do wonder, you know? because like I was just looking at the, I didn't watch the Grammys, I mean, whatever. Um, and I actually didn't even recognize a lot of the, like the winners of the Grammys. I mean, I didn't like, didn't recognize a lot of the names, but in part that's because like the public sphere that used to like produce say Beyonce or whatever, like name that everybody knew has dissolved a bit. And so I even wonder how a radio station that is optimizing for the mass as opposed to an individual, how it would even be able to tell what's best. I mean, yes, there are the charts, but like, how do they even tell when it comes to like country music or like, I, I have no idea, or pop? Well, A, well, A. Radio is super segmented and has been super segmented for a while, yeah. so you don't need to know everything. Right. Like, I make jokes about this. I'm like, I'll see the country music words. I'm like, wow, black can be strangely silent on this one. It's a black guy one this year, so whatever. But, like, <laughs> but still, like, I'm like, wow, it's amazing. We're not hype about that. Nobody listen to that. And country stars don't know who Brooklyn drill people are. It's right. always been super segmentalized, you know? Yeah. And the people who work in programming for country radio, it's very simple. You get promos from major radios and there's one person who probably gives the stuff for everybody because these things have all been consolidated for years. There's Clear Channel, there's iHeartRadio. I don't even know who the ownership is. So you don't have to think much. Oh, you're told what to play, basically. Well, the thing is, it has to hit. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're told what to play and stuff like that. It's like when you DJ, it comes from a trusted place. Mm-hmm. And also, records are about familiarity. Right. So you know that the radio is going to do everything to make sure that the customer can hear it so you're not playing weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't even invest in something that has to be good because they want to make money. You don't want to lose money. Like, But then you look at other stuff that pops up. You also can look at stats. If you see something is getting viral, you can be like, oh, I might play that if it's viral regionally. Mm-hmm. Outside the region, you don't do that because you know there's not going to be a push nationally. Mm-hmm. The radio size has always sort of been the same. Mm-hmm. And, and, okay. and and less people around just makes it easier. That's why new niches come. Like there's always, a, there's now a classic rap radio everywhere in America. Because they <laughs> really? know that generation is old enough where you need classic rap. Yeah. <laughs> K-Day is syndicated or whatever. <laughs> yeah, K-Day is syndicated. K-Day, and that's just LA, like Biggie like or something? Like classic rap is just like 90s rap? or from, like From Biggie to Ja Rule. From Biggie to Ja Rule probably. That's the, yeah. that's the canon. Some, yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. And about this one statement that 
started it all, major labels really being big data companies. I mean, what's your understanding of that? How much does that track? What are like... Well, these these big billion dollar companies are like, they're hiring data scientists, one. Mm, you will really? get more money working, starting out of college. Yes, they have whole data science group where they're hiring people and stuff like what that. What does it look like? What does data science look like if you're if you're working at a label? Like, can you just speak about some of the data points you're paying attention to, where they're getting that information? Are they subscribing? Uh, yeah. I, mean, they're probably to, pl- I mean, they like, all have ownership in Spotify, right? Right, like, where's that Plus, data Billboard coming from? Billboard has to track yeah. all yeah, the like, sales, need- including streaming, yeah. so... Not right, yeah, I, I can't really speak to that directly because I don't work with anybody there and stuff like that. But I do know it's like normal data science are seeing what works. And also it's like normal stuff like moving any product, any e-commerce, like, you know, product and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's less about the creating of music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's outside the creating, it's the selling and marketing and everything like that, all that back end stuff and moving old music and stuff like that. That's what it is. It's not on the creative side. But question, how much is it then? So if it's not creating the music, is it like defining the scene? Like as part of the their job now, are, it's what labels are doing, are they articulating the markets I mean, and then like doubling even, down because like, there's not a scene what is even exist? a scene I mean, like no. in terms of like right a record company obviously there's scenes but like scenes that that track to a record company's needs have sort of fallen apart like you can't walk into virgin records and you know there's the different sections you and there's different walk into a record store period yeah, there's no that's virgin true records. that's true yeah of course right of course but i mean it, like what well, the record store is your is your Spotify front page. That's your right. that's your record store. Right. Your record right, store right. is a Spotify front page. Or the Beatport front page is a record store. That's, that's the true. same thing. That's the same thing as a record store. That's a record but store. The genres are like so like, I don't know, also distributed. Like it seems like there's so many bazillions of subgenres. I mean, I guess there's way but of that's, chunking. That's, but it's playlisting, right? Right. It's like right, they're right, pattern right, recognizing right. and trying to find ways of organizing a certain sound or a certain thing in a particular way that makes sense as a playlist. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't match like a physical location or a city or a scene. How, maybe it's a question. So you're this like, or it's like an aesthetic package more than a scene, like dark academia does not define a real scene. No. See, yes. Yes. And no, though. Yes. And no, (laughs) the vibe playlist exists. Mm. Program and run playlists exist, and geographic location run stuff exists, and generational plays exist. These all exist, like they all exist. It's not one thing, you know. It's like it's like cool lo-fi pop thing. No, it's not a scene. But guess what though? If it creates enough like that, there are people who do this. Listen to bedroom producers, but scenes also are pop-up scenes. Now I hate to use a phrase like that, you know. <laughs> They're not continuous, right. you know. Like yeah, yeah. you go to a video game competition. Like, the scene exists, but it's not always there. You're not at arcades. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you're in a Twitch chat room, but that's always the virtual scene which exists. Pop-up scenes. That's perfect. <laughs> like, But, yeah, you know, like, it's like you dress up to go to the rave, but you're not doing that every weekend. Yeah. Well, it's like normcore then, basically, right? The original definition of normcore, which is, like, to dress up to do the activity really hardcore and like do it the proper way. Yeah, good um, distinction, go Dan. To, Normcore, yeah. people forget about this. People think it's just talking about being normie. It's actually the cosplay dressing like normie so that you can like do the job. Yeah. Or be ironic. Uh, yeah, it's like gray manning right. much more uh, than is what my, my right. original or like yeah, like if you're into mountaineering, you like gear up and you do it and you dress up like you do the whole thing. That's like, yeah. 
yes, adhering that's... to the norms, the whatever norms of the yeah. scene, not the like mainstream average. Polo. I yeah. do think that's a key distinction. Generally, every time you know a phrase like that, same thing with vibe shift. It like yeah. now somehow people are going to associate vibe shift with just being like low rise bootcut <laughs> jeans or something, and not about the politics or whatever other things it was referencing, because that's just how these phrases get popularized, I think. Sick. No, exactly. I agree with you 100%. That's for every little thing, you know? It's like, you can't even... It's hard to find people with a band t-shirt, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, for like, real. Like, out on the street. Like, like, yeah, but they wear them at the festival, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they wear them at the festival, but, you know, you don't see you don't see a kid with an excision jersey walking down the street. You might see a few, and they're really hardcore, but I know excision sells a, I know excision sells a lot of jerseys. I know he sells a lot of jerseys, but you don't see them on the streets. Like, where are these things? Right. They're just up in the closet through the festival, and, and that's why it's a pop. I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just going to, expounding on that. It's, it's even smaller yeah, than right. cosplaying. It's like, it's it's so little you know mm-hmm. pop up scene like, like like the level they're stepping it's up it's like to. black tie yeah. <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah. exactly that's good Going analogy Dan that's such plur, plur black tie plur yeah. black perfect tie. plur black tie wow note it yeah. note it Jim wow so I mean I think you tweeted something about I think it was maybe Dua Lipa talking about Writing a track with Cthulhu and Scalar. Oh, okay. Tell people what Cthulhu and Scalar okay, are. I, I can so talk not to you everyone about knows. That. So, so also okay. give a little tutorial. I guess the question okay. is though, like, how have those software? I use Cthulhu personally too. How has oh. that changed the pop writing game in terms of songwriters? Well, the people behind the scenes who write songs are big stars. Yes, that's it's um, Cthulhu. Scalar AI generation is a uh, many many things. AI generation is a very big thing that's going on and not talked about that much, but they are using it and stuff like that. A thing like Scalar is not AI. A thing like Kitulu is not AI. That's music helpers. Mm-hmm. They're not generating anything. Mm-hmm. So there's no AI dumb machine that. There's no AI. It's basically, but anyway, basically for you guys who don't know music, it's like there's all a bunch of scales and then you can just hit one key and you can play the piano. <laughs> but then something like Scalar figures out the scales for you. It creates creates chords from the scales, it detects scales, it makes things all around it. It's just like the helper to even on the next level to figure out what to do if you, because most people know what sounds good, but they don't know how to do it. So it's an act of selection more than generation. It's like, well, it's like, it's so, so the yes, creative act yes, is like selecting each, yes. basically. It's like exactly. Sampling. Exactly. Almost. That's a hundred percent. It's a, I talk about this. Great. I love this podcast. <laughs> no, I literally talk about it. I cons- I consider it MIDI sampling. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're sampling with the notes. You just moved it. You just moved the MIDI around. You know, and that's actually you know I I started out making music like that because I played MIDI files, and now you have all the tools to step up above it. Mm. But now though, there's literally AI generation software that has all the hits and stuff in it. And like I just a new thing just dropped last week. I just bought it. To, I just bought it yesterday. It's called Melody Sauce. Too. And basically it has the basic bare things of top structures and you put in your chords and you hit a button and it generates it. Mm. Everybody's <laughs> using that stuff. And, 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 right. and then you flip around the generation and it can go from dark to light or simple to complex. Hmm. And then you can make it, oh, less simple, more complex, change the rhythm, and then have it go to the scales out under. People are using this stuff. Or what you could just everybody used to know that you make stuff off of the classic chords. Chords are copywritten. 
you know, chords are not copywritten. So what is there? There are tons of chord packs with every popular hit. Mm-hmm. And you just put in the chord pack, remix it, and you put it with a top song or like or a scalar thing and it just goes. But that's so exciting because it sounds yeah. like there'll be... It is exciting. It's a, it's dark and exciting, but right? Like, it reminds me also, I guess, of, of the Dua Lipa lawsuit because yes. you know, there's this like reggae, reggae band that 100. this one hit of hers. It sounds exactly like this reggae band, yeah, but they but probably the both is, sampled Rosa Parks or like ripping off Rosa Parks. Yeah. And uh, it's possible it's, that it was not ripped off at all and they just all came... To the exact same conclusion yeah. and it came to be an identical song. Yeah, it's all shared musical language. Mm-hmm. If you listen to old blues songs, you know, boom, 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 I see my, it's how, <laughs> what song is that? That's, but you know that blues song, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's the same sure. walking thing like that. I'm on the podcast. It's new models. It's, I don't know what song that is, but you know that song. You know, it's the same music Platon- stuff. It exists platonically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, um, like, <laughs> Have you seen um, Dolly 2, the new OpenAI image generation thing that just came out, I think, a couple of days no. ago? Oh. It's fully next level. Look it up. And I, I assume that generally when these things work for images, the same models can work for audio, too. And it just means like you could describe a song and it's going to. They'll just it'll just be a song. You know, I assume that's gonna, yeah. that's that's coming oh, very, that, very that soon. All- that already exists. That already I, exists, I, I, I guess, yeah. I've got apps on the phone where I can, like, say, I want a reggaeton beat over a disco thing, and right. it'll generate that thing, and it'll export the MIDI for me. Like, that already exists. Wow. Like, that, that's... You, but, like, you know imagine that. it's not just a MIDI being exported, but it's, like, a full photo... Like, what's the equivalent of photorealistic for a voice? I mean, fully, <laughs> I don't fully know, produced Photorealistic song, yeah. voice, you know, I mean, it's full timbre or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, Holly Plus yeah. is, is on the, yeah, you, on the edge you, of this. You know, the, the, the thing about that is the only, I mean, I think it's possible. I, everything's possible. So you won't say anything is not possible. The problem is, is the amount of processing and generation stuff. You, you'd have a limited amount of song of, of sounds you could really work with. You know, mm. unless you're using crazy supercomputers. Mm, right. Because I mean, in general, like, that is actually... That is a, an obstacle. It's like amount of compute at this point, which is kind of funny. Yeah. That it's like back to needing raw computing data to like make more beautiful yeah. artwork <laughs> or something. But that's that yeah. is where we're going to be in the next decade. I think. I, I wonder how the the trickle down effect for like bedroom producers trying to get you know access to cloud to like AI processing. That's that kind of changes things. From the paradigm yeah. we've been used to for the last like fifteen years or so, and all it'll, like, yeah. no but I think it'll end up only. it'll just be like selectors, like aggregators. Then, right? Mm. Like because if anyone can generate anything, it's like who like knows what like the hit is. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, the value will come into like the programmers and then the selectors, and like away from the artist. Like the artist will become well, the, the middleman, basically. Well, I mean, I, I guess, but the artist. What, what do you mean by programmers yeah. exactly? Like the pro, the people who are program programming it. the machine learning algorithms that create but that's these things still different in the, in the than first place. The, that's like, the yes, but, but that's oh, it's not a creative act. I'm just saying that's yeah. where the value accumulation will happen. Will be on that side and then like true. this selector DJ curator role. I don't think that it's an either or. It's not. Yeah. You know, I don't think that. I think that yeah. those yeah. that those things might exist and people might work with that. But also, you can literally just drum on music as a shared, not shared. Some people, I saw this music there, as you don't say shared language, everybody has different ideas of music. But both, like, you know, in Western music and, like, sort of adjacent stuff, there's sort of a shared language and stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
kids can rap over the street over over old beat. Mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know, and the human voice had synthesizing of human voices has been made and stuff like that and stuff like that. But then you're synthesizing voices and you need a voice that people like and stuff like that. And then write the song and do the thing. And that can work. I'm not saying that won't exist, but that won't stop other people from doing oh, it. Oh, definitely not. And there will also be uh, so much of a backlash against all this stuff mm-hmm. that, like, the acoustic yeah. guitar will persist, <laughs> that is for sure, as, you know, an alternative to all of this. It will. And then also I think the thing is, is that because of how music works with novelty, novelties need it. Mm-hmm. The amount of, that's yeah. why the programmers will matter. The amount of updating that, you, that they will need to do mm-hmm. to be competing with humans who are going to try to outrun it will still make it healthy. Mm, that's true. You know, yeah, because yeah, there'll still be because, some competition there. Right. You know, because For like, sure. oh, what happens? Oh, you take the flip from the thing and then what you chop it up. It's all t- somebody's gonna do that. Somebody's not gonna take the, the pregame thing and then not chop it up, flip it and reverse it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what are they gonna plan for that? You know, how how can they plan for that to chop it, flip and reverse it, then slow down, and then you don't get yourself to say you get a dog, you know. Right. Like <laughs> you, you, know, you know Jingle Cats part two. It's yeah, yeah, the dog is doing jingle bells over a computer <laughs> programming thing. Maybe they can't think about that, genius, or maybe they can't, you know, like like it, but I'm not say that's not going to make the computer thing not work that's still going to work but it's i don't think it stops it's always going to sort of exist you know because there's always as you know ai's you know a human has to program the thing so they have to do research you know it's going to pop for now eventually maybe not (laughs) the computer the ai is doing its own research but i definitely think like i agree with you overall that like things are going to persist and in general the doomer take on all this stuff is like i think overblown and yeah it's going to be a tool people will you know, flip it and reverse it and do all sorts of things that are unexpected. So yeah, I think it's overall just exciting, not scary. I'm excited too. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree with you. I agree. With I just you. wonder, this is like a very simple question in contrast. So I wonder, since you've been in the game for a few cycles now, like if there is any as we see these retro cycles come back and as we see like early 2000 stuff come back or whatever, one can have the opinion that, oh, nothing has changed. But of course, that's not totally true. And I wonder if you can characterize like the aesthetic mood of what excites you now. Like, can you give language to it? Can you like give qualities to what you feel is exciting? Like if you were to distinguish it from when you were first getting started, say in like the early aughts, like can you describe, even if it's like on an energetic level, like how would you characterize it what excites me is the fact that more people can go out and make money and it doesn't seem like there's actual barriers mm. to do stuff like That's true. i don't i don't look at an artist and be like oh wow i wonder how you're gonna make or how people are gonna hear about you and stuff like yeah. that i could just know what's gonna happen you know like i love hip-hop so i watch so many street rappers from places like flint michigan mm. who rap about selling heroin become viral on tiktok and youtube and buy cars and they don't they no radio play wow, no radio play right. youtube videos i know because i i watch them get millions of views because i sit back and smoke weed and watch these people do it i know other people who just play 2k i hate to be stereotypical i play rocky league though but um you know and like and smoke weed and listen to this rap music that's what they do you know and then it gets put on tiktok and because people like to spit the bars that are dope that is like such very normal thing very just normal stuff and like i just watch so many things that i know is gonna pop because i Mm. know it's good i guess it's partially being radio programming thing and like no i was going like i'm like this is dope this is gonna pop and it goes and that gives me more excitement than 
anything style wise because the styles are all over. It's just the fact that I'm like, even stuff like the talk about technology, stuff like NFTs actually really excites me. You know, like, uh-huh. and I'm like, uh-huh. I see people, a scene happening and people making money. I like that. That sort of just mm. excites me more than anything. Well, yeah, maybe could you talk about that for a second, too? So you have your like your rapper from Flint, Michigan, and they like have some good tracks that go viral on TikTok and they're able to make money. They have a YouTube, maybe two. But then what? Like, do you see the pipeline now going to leveraging that audience to make an NFT that then like fuels like your next year or album or whatever. I mean, or I think do you see just it so many through, different ways to make maybe money? Maybe there are though. so many different like, ways. Yeah. Like what, what do you see? What happens at that point? One pipeline. Right. Well, one, I agree with you. One, I agree with you on that point. One and two. Yeah. It's just like, it could be a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. It could be NFT. You know, they're going to sell anything. Yeah, right. You know, and I think, but the thing is, is that it's, I don't think that those are a way to, that you don't need to make that thing to make the money because the YouTube's making you money. Uh, the TikTok's uh-huh. making you money. All you have to do is just post on YouTube and TikTok. And then if you want to make more money, so on NFTs, because they will, because they will do that, I think that's going to happen. The same way you can sell shirts. Like Nipsey Hussle could sell a CD for $1,000. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, those things will happen. And also it's the same thing you get shows. Like some of these things are so regional. Like it's like that you don't even know about it because like you're not in the Ann Arbor rap scene. Neither am I. You know what I mean? But like I assume that, you know, or the, even the urban like, you know, HBCU, like there's probably like a club outside of Delaware that people go to that a small rapper can hit up and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which is like exists. And like they, they make money off of that, you know, like even which is it's not much different than the old days. You know, a phrase they used to use in the R&B days is the chitlin circuit. You know, mm-hmm. that's like the Southern R&B scene. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. And why did they call it that? That the was chitlins like the... is just like a soul food, like very oh, specific. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. American yeah. Food. Right. Okay. Got yeah. it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they call it the Chitlin Circuit. You know, that's the same stuff that exists. It's like how Tyler Perry got big right. was doing black stage plays, not on Broadway. You know, right, so right, those okay. things, I, I think what really exists is even less more of a need to go mainstream and more to sinking into niches, feed the block. Like that sort of stuff is just what people just go with. They don't even, these, these people aren't thinking about radio. Like they would right. love it. They would love it, but they really just want bigger cars. <laughs> they don't care how they get it. They will be selling NFTs. <laughs> they will be doing that. But they're not selling NFTs necessarily to make them big to compete with these people. They don't care. Yo, yo, somebody was talking about it was either Aman or Latasha, Aman Europe or Latasha. They're both big Web3 NFT artists. They yo, they be on the internet talking about money they made. And like I forgot which one of them said. I'm sorry to get you too confused, but yeah, I think you're both dope and you <laughs> listen to this. But it's like it's like it's like I come from the era of rappers selling CDs out the back of the truck. <laughs> and that's how I get that. You know mm. what I mean? And like that sort of stuff is the same, you know, yeah. but, you, but it's not it's not to fund yourself to compete with a coil array or something like that. It doesn't matter. You're trying right. to ice your neck out. That's interesting. And have a community. Right. That's right. And you know, probably more fun too. Like, like it's, it, that's always better to be like beholden no, to your it's, scene it's than just like some random faceless mass. Yeah. And like, you know, that's that's what artists want to do. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to have to like say, oh, now nah, I got to make the country song. Right. Like Little Dirk has to make a country song because <laughs> he's a mega big person uh-huh. on the major label. Uh-huh. But the country song doesn't chat as high as his song he did about beefing with NBA Youngboy, you know? <laughs> right. His beef song 
does better on the charts, more people listen to it. The Rush is still doing better on the charts, <laughs> but the Morgan Whalen song has more streams because it's just Morgan Whalen algo. Right. But everybody's going to watch this Say Ah video because for years after the country thing dies because it's a crazy diss song and that's just street rap. And that's the sort of stuff that's cool. This is so helpful. I feel like the whole landscape of how music works is just completely animated by you, Frog. Like, I kind of sort of had a sense of a lot of this stuff, but like, <laughs> damn, it's like all in high res right now. Thanks to the way you're mapping this out. This is really helpful. Oh, sick. Thank you. We should wrap it up. In we a, should. In yeah. A it's bit, been right? for about so, an hour. Um, but yeah. Yeah. If you were to write a Jordan Peterson style book, what would your like 12 rules for being a club lifer? <laughs> be? My rules for being a club lifer is just always one, just because I can only just say, it, always remember your club scum. Always remember your club scum. You become a club lifer, but you always start a club scum. That's the number one thing to remember. <laughs> Two, remember that the club is not about the big things. It's about small, intimate experiences. That's true. So with your club thing, it's really about it's about bathroom talk, people and stuff like that. So remember that. Three, always look out for the homies. Just always look out for the homies. You know, I would say that in the club life and stuff like that. Four, believe in stuff early. You know, because that's why you get into stuff. You want to believe in stuff early. Mm -hmm. And then you look cool. You can like, I think this is dope. That's always a cool just to believe in stuff early. Also, remember that most parties are boring and most DJs aren't dope and stuff <laughs> like that. And so you have to do the little stuff. That's true, too. And also, I would probably say, you know, you can always do more. You can never do less. And just don't judge people for like, mm -hmm. you know, any sort of stuff like that. You know, and, th and that remember that clubs are supposed to be melting places. You know, mm -hmm. like that they're supposed to like break down boundaries, but that that's that's not about making everybody cool. Yeah. You know, because the, the cool club is not where everybody is super stylish, super like that. Some of those are nice places to be like that, but that's not club life mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Club life is also hanging out with somebody because you got nothing to do and you're just cheering for a, a sports team you don't know about. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's club life. I think that's <laughs> that's what I would say. That's so great. But also standing on tables and popping bottles is really fun. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's like new commandments <laughs> that applies to a lot. I mean, everything, you know, you're really positive about all the changes always. I think that's why also, I mean, stay, stay positive and open-minded about things. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it's another rule because it's obviously it's worked for you, but I did have this down as a question specifically because you generally are so positive about all of the changes that happen. But is there anything that actually makes you get on, you know, your like old guy hater shit and be like, oh, like the young, like the kids are like missing something or losing something with this or this oh. actually is a whack or scary move. Oh. Algo, segre algo segregation is the thing I'm mm. most scared about of all time, yeah. and to be and be able to tell people persons and be able to tell person social status based on following and stuff like that is one of the scariest things of all time. Because like I'm a just a kid from Philly, and I would hate have to be coming a kid from Philly and having fifty. I would have had fifty followers when I went to New York City and that sort of stuff, and mm. now I'd have to really build up my Philly thing. You just can't that sort of thing or like pray I met somebody cool who can tell stuff somebody looking up on your phone and adding you on social and judging stuff like that I see so many young kids who buy followers because they know that each other does that like I met like a, I, I met somebody I was like oh your friend's this old and I said why well, you're 20 years old and you have all these fake followers but I know because you can't give your Instagram in the club and look stupid that sort of thing like that is the most scary thing like that and also the and algo segregation and stuff like that because people you don't know what a different race person stuff like that and it's a crazy thing that's going to really mess up 
inequality and stuff like that. And that thing really scares me. So I, I'm not always happy about that. That is I mean, true. That's true. We already, yeah. we obviously seen it with politics. Yeah. But thing, I mean, that trickles down to music, taste, everything. It's true. Too, so, and like yeah. now as we have, we just, the previous podcast we just recorded with a person who wrote a book called The Rise of Eco-Fascism, how like climate change is just going to exacerbate like, you know, a lot of social tensions and the, the yeah. algorithm segregating everybody is not helping us mitigate some of that energy. So yeah, totally. Oh, no. So we need IRL club spaces. So yeah. sad about Rash Bar, speaking of. Rash Bar is a bum out. That was a bum out. Because they do bring everybody together. A oh, hundred. A hundred. Yeah. And festivals. And, and festivals. festivals. That's just like bringing all the genres together too often. Or like more of the micro genres together yeah. and just like bringing tons of people. Even if it's a pop-up scene, pop-up at least scene. you had that. You know, maybe you made a new friend. Right. From, from <laughs> someone different in the... The pop exactly. up, pop up melting pot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Melting pop up. Um, yes. Well, I mean, before we go though, like, what do you have coming up? Is there? I'm sure people. Yeah. What like, do you want to plug? Like, yeah. Like, tell us what you're up to, and like, what? Because I'm sure people now, after they've heard these, like, all this good advice. <laughs> well, yeah. I just dropped. The, I just dropped a new record today. Martin Batter and B Hustler. It's on Repopulate Mars, the rival compilation. All right. So that just came out today. We'll link it. Yeah, that's that. So just like that. And so at dances on Twitter. Amazing six letters. Yes. Instagram, TikTok, you're on on both. I just found you on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, I'm dances with Jaws on TikTok and I'm dances life on Instagram. I was behind. I'm old. I'm millennial as far as Twitter. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Yeah, dances on Twitter is pretty elite. Frog, really nice to catch up with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. uh, Endless gems. Yes, as ordered. Really. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Really fun. Did not let us down. Really appreciate it. Come back and talk to us some more um, as as the media sphere rolls out. (laughs) I'm so happy you guys had me here. Thanks, yo. This is really cool. Cool. Thank you. All right. So talk to you soon. Ciao. Thank you for listening to New Models Green Room and thank you, Frog, for joining us. You can hear Frog in action on Martin Batter and Dances with White Girls' new track, Hustler. Frog's mimetic genius is captured in the hook, which goes, Ooh, ma, I'm a hustler. I fell in love with a shuffler. If you've ever been to an EDM festival, you'll know shuffle dancers are a significant niche in the wider pantheon of EDM sub-identities, and Frog just delivered this festy season's number one quotable pickup line. Back in New Models world, we built the virtual New Models front porch as part of Trust Moving Castles project, an ongoing experimental collaborative game played live via Twitch. The main event of Moving Castles where New Models and Trust go face to face will happen in May, so keep an eye out because you will want to see it. Big thanks to Trust for inviting us. Some New Models members are heading to NYC for the Do Not Research opening on April 23rd at Lower Cavity in nearby Holyoke, Massachusetts. If you're in the area, check the Do Not Research Instagram for info and get in touch with Laith to find out what the NM NYC group has planned. We also have two Discord events coming up, a reading and live mood boarding on April 21st from Pink Cadillac and Fim ahead of the physical release of the book, The Modem World, a prehistory of social media. And there's a Collapsology Spotlight event on April 26th, streaming a discussion of the books White Skin, Black Fuel, and The Rise of Ecofascism, featuring Andreas Malm in conversation with Crude Futures. Be sure to check the events tab in the Discord to stay up on what's happening. Smash that like button, five stars to infinity, and make the algos work for new models on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you, and see you next episode.
This has been a New Models production. Music and mixing by Lil Internet. For more, visit patreon.com slash newmodels. Be sure to sign up for the channel mailing list at channel.xyz and stay updated on our upcoming season 1 public launch.